I'm Heather Campbell, and this is You Are Made For More, conversations about strength training, nutrition, and transformation. Today's episode is part one in a series called Making Strength Training Accessible for All. I am joined by guests Joe Steven and Lori Moranian. Joe and Lori are the co-founders of a nonprofit strength sports gym called Urban Powerhouse in Boston, Massachusetts. I am talking with Joe and Lori today about specifically equity and fitness. Joe has been part of the health and fitness industry for about 15 years, and he is now head coach for Urban Powerhouse and is also currently enrolled in school for exercise physiology. Lori is also a coach for Urban Powerhouse and has a full-time job in fundraising for a disability services nonprofit. Equity, in just the purest sense of the, the idea, is that you know there's a difference between equity and equality. Equality would be, you know, everybody has access to the same thing. Um, however, equity takes needs into account. You know, for me, I can speak more about being a woman in the strength sports industry. Um, you know, training at the commercial gym we used to, there would be just a lot of uncomfortable moments and. Um, you know, people questioning my choices all the time. Like, why do you want to train this way? Why do you want to look this way? Hey, Joe. Hey, Lori. Thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate you guys making the time to come on to my podcast and talk about equity in fitness and so thank you thank you for having us it's um it's kind of cool that you're doing this you know we met you god how many years ago did we meet you just like six five no not quite four it was 2018 okay four years ago four years after laurie's first nationals so i was yeah yeah and Lori, you and I randomly met through Instagram, which, yeah, yeah which um, I'm so glad we did because then when I found out you guys were going to be on the West Coast um, for a national powerlifting meet, I was like, what? You're going to be so close. We have to meet. And you guys came down to Portland and uh, we got to train together. So meet in person and I'm so glad you're the kind of person who uh, reached out on Instagram like that and that just worked out because it's been a fun, fun journey. It really has. And uh, I always, I always believe the universe works its magic and brings people together. And I am super grateful that uh, I got to meet you guys and, and just, I don't know, just share our fitness journeys and and all the good stuff. So Joe, um, now you're, um, now you're powerlifting. Like when we went out to train with you, yeah, you're, you're a bodybuilder. Rubus bodybuilder still. So 
I feel like we'll have to train together again now that you've joined team powerlifting. You know, we'll have to plan that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it is true. And I will admit that um, I think I like powerlifting a lot more than bodybuilding. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So Joe, you know, I have known you guys for a few years, but I had no idea that you spoke Japanese. How in the world did that happen? Yeah, yeah, it's um it's one of those things where like my sister and I when we were growing up, we we watched Japanese anime, but in the US, like back when we were growing up, it was always called it's what you call dubbed. So they they have voice actors who do it in English. And like we'd watch it and we just like this just sounds so weird. Like, why do they sound so bad? It's just like terrible, terrible acting. It's like over the top and they just sound really lame. And so one day we found a show we were watching and we found it in Japanese. We're like, whoa, that sounds a lot better. That sounds so cool. That sounds a lot cooler. I don't know what they're saying though. So we've got to figure that out. And you know, we found some in with subtitles and then it kind of snowballed from there because we got you start learning the language and you start getting into the culture and you're like, oh, this is really cool. Um, so my sister and I started just like picking up what we could and speaking Japanese to each other. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And then Lori, I know you as a power lifter and then find out that you used to run marathons. <laughs> I don't, I honestly don't know if I could go out and run five miles right now. So it's funny to think back, but that's how I launched my little fitness journey um, back in, gosh, I think 2007, I started training for little 5Ks with my dad and it was a cool thing we could do together. And I said to him one day, do you think I'll ever run a marathon? He's like, I think maybe strive for like a half and see what happens. And then ended up running three full marathons before I got tired of, of it. And um, kind of like you, I find enjoy powerlifting a lot more than running. But, you know, that's how I started. So, yeah. And I think a lot of people kind of share share a similar fitness journey where they started with one sport and then moved to another I ran years ago. I mean, it's been a really, really long time and I ran a lot of half marathons and it was fun. I enjoyed it until my body started to hurt every single time I went for a run. <laughs> you know, when you're like dreading to going to do the activity that it's probably not going to be like your long-term uh, sport <laughs> that, that eventually happened to me. Yeah. All right. Let's. Let's uh let's talk about the things that you're here to talk about. What do you think? Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right. So Joe and Lori, you are the co-founders of Urban Powerhouse. It is a strength gym in the Boston area. And that was incorporated as a nonprofit in 2019. So congratulations coming up on two years, three years, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That is awesome. Awesome. Um, so part of your mission, right, is to make fitness accessible and through strength training. Mm -hmm. And let's talk a little bit about that accessibility and equity and how you define it and what it means to you. Yeah, that's 
That's a that's a deep question. <laughs> um, we're starting off deep. Yeah, we're gonna start deep. We're, gonna we're starting deep. Yeah. I might be crying by the end, but it's okay. Um, <clears throat> so, I think in order for me to talk about what, and I'm just gonna talk about my experience, what it means for me. Um, I've got to give like stories because it's equity in just the like, purest sense of the, the idea is that you know there's a difference between equity and equality. Equality would be, you know, everybody has access to the same thing. Um, however, equity takes needs into account, right? So like putting these same facilities in every single neighborhood, that's equality, but it doesn't take into account what specific demographics of individuals need, culture, um, financial status, et cetera. And so for me, equity takes into account not just an activity or a specific thing, but also the impact that it would have on a group's needs. You know, so when I when I think about when I was growing up, I hey, I had no idea what powerful was. I didn't find it until I was like 30 years old. Um, so I was already old. <laughs> but like when I started looking into just like getting strong for the sake of getting strong. You know, it was pretty much facilities owned and run by white people, uh, a bunch of bros in the gym, and I didn't see anybody who looked like me. And that's, I think that's a challenge that a lot of people can identify with, you know, whether you're African American, whether you're from the Caribbean, whether you're a woman, you know, you go into a space and you are literally the only person there and you're just uncomfortable. You, you 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 know or you feel like there are eyes on you or, or that there are all these different types of judgments. Um, and so for me, in this aspect, equity is the idea of, well, not just having, you know, a place where people can go to the gym. Uh, specifically, I'm looking into powerful and weightlifting. Well, I, I want a place that's going to make a comfort for that, but also take into account the fact that, like, we're in a neighborhood that is more than 40 percent you know non-white and so taking that into account we want to be a space where just a white demographic isn't represented that goes as far as the members who are there but also the music that is played you know and so a lot of things go into what equity means for me as as a founder and co-founder of this organization Thank you for sharing that, Joe. Um, I know a lot of this is is personal to you, right? And you're taking those life experiences and you've created, along with Lori, you guys have created a safe space for people who want to give powerlifting, weightlifting, whatever strength sport they're interested in, right? Give that a chance and maybe they haven't been introduced to it before. Maybe they knew about it, but didn't have a place they could go to or a place they felt comfortable. Um, so Lori, for you uh, getting here uh, be and starting Urban Powerhouse, what um, what has been important to you in, in the equity space? Well, I think Joe did an amazing job kind of teeing it up. You know, that's that's really at the heart of what we're doing. But in terms of my personal experience, you know, for me, I can speak more about being a woman in the strength sports industry. Um, 
you know, training at the commercial gym we used to, there would be just a lot of uncomfortable moments and, um, you know, people questioning my choices all the time. Like, why do you want to train this way? Why do you want to look this way? Um, and then, you know, we would maybe travel like an hour or so outside of Boston to the suburbs and we'd go to a more, you know, traditional strength training type gym. And I didn't get asked those questions. So I, I noticed there was a difference. Um, I just knew that it wasn't within my own neighborhood and within my own community. And even within that, I knew that there were still going to be barriers uh, for other women to, to kind of go across that line and join that sport and learn about it. So that's one of the big things for me is I, I want every woman to experience the power of the barbell at least once and what it, what it can do for them. And then if they decide it's not for them, great, but I would, I would love to, to provide that. And in an atmosphere and an environment where it feels, you know, comfortable and safe to do so. Thank you. I am hundred <laughs> percent on board with that. Having experienced a lot of those uncomfortable moments myself. Um, and especially in the commercial gyms, I, every time I, everybody felt the need to tell me how to lift weight or, oh, you should do it this way. Or, you know, trying to coach me when I never asked for that, you know, like I'm not engaging with you. Why do you, <laughs> why do you think it's necessary to, to tell me what I should be doing while I'm here. So I love, I love that you guys um, have created this space. And I, I'd like to share with the listeners your mission statement that I took off of your website and anyone um, who's, who wants to check it out right now, it's urbanpowerhouse.org. So write that down. Um, if, if you aren't in a place to check it out right now, please do so when you can. So founded in 2019, UPH or Urban Powerhouse is a nonprofit organization in Boston, working to increase the exposure and participation of underserved youth and adults in strength sports through training, information, access, and financial support. You guys wanna make powerlifting and weightlifting attainable for everyone keeping the sports diverse and inclusive for years to come. Love that. Thank you. So let, let's expand on that. So in 2015, this was a concept. You were thinking about it, right? So tell us, tell us, take us on that journey. How did you go from concept to becoming a nonprofit in 2019 and currently having a membership of 40 and growing? And of those 40 people, you've got athletes that are being coached. Um, and, and it also includes open members, right? People coming in and, and lifting. So that is, that is really impressive. And I am just so thrilled that you're growing so fast. It's so awesome. So how'd you do it? Ooh, uh, I'm pretty sure that I can remember exactly what that situation was. And the more I think about it, anytime we've had a good idea, it's been when we were traveling and had access to absolutely no forms of entertainment. Mm. Literally none. Okay, so it was 2015. I'm pretty sure we were in, we were going snowboarding and we were in Gorham, New Hampshire. Yep. Yeah. And we got this place that we thought would be the coolest Airbnb ever. Okay, it's super small. No problem. Wait, where's the TV? Oh, there's no TV. Oh, shit, there's no internet. 
Um, okay, cool. I guess we'll just hang out and we'll talk to each we'll, other, like have conversations. Yeah. And like weird. Somehow we got into this like super existential conversation about like health and fitness and wellness and how like no matter what we want to try and do at the gym, we can never freaking do it. And Laurie was like, oh man, I like want to get strong. But like every time I'm trying to squat, there's like some person trying to chase me off and all this other stuff. So we got to this really, really deep dive about like, well, if we want something, why don't we just do it? Like, like we can't be the only ones who want to be able to like train in a different way other than like jumping from machine to machine. And at that point, we didn't know specifically about powerlifting media things. So we were like, all right, cool. So like part of the issue is like, it's expensive to do something like CrossFit, right? Like I was a CrossFit coach and I was like, there weren't any black people in there. There weren't any Latinos. There weren't any Hispanic individuals. There were some Asian individuals, but like it was pretty much a room full of white people in Charlestown. It seems like a major hangup of something being accessible is the fact that it costs a lot of money. And like, it might sound obvious, but when you're thinking about people living in the hub, in the center of a city, things are just A, more expensive, and, and B, you've got to work a lot more for just your basics. And so we were like, okay, well, I couldn't afford going to CrossFit. That's the only reason I'm a coach, because I want to do CrossFit and I can't afford it, so I'm going to be a coach. How do we do it? And, you know, we, we sat and we talked and eventually we came up with this idea of like, well, we want to make this space that we want to see and participate in. We want to be accessible. So let's, let's just do this thing and uh, call it Urban Powerhouse. And do it in that, that nonprofit structure. Oh, yeah. That's what you mean by this thing, right? Yeah. 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 Which I think is one of the things that makes us unique. You know, there are other great strength training gyms and communities. I mean, you belong to one, right? Like at Ironside. Um, and I can see from social media, there's a community there. Um, but I think one of the things that makes us a little bit unique is that nonprofit structure. And it allows us to get funding to offer that financial assistance. But um, jumping back to the, the history a little bit. So we, we knew we wanted to create a community and we knew we wanted to make like fitness and health and wellness more accessible to people. But I think over the next few years, that's when we kind of honed in on the niche of powerlifting and weightlifting. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the, the industry, regardless of your for-profit or nonprofit, is a little saturated sometimes. And there's a lot of competition, right? There's like circuit training tile, style gyms, there's CrossFit boxes, there's a lot of things that exist. And once we started finding our own personal passions with powerlifting and weightlifting, the two ideas kind of merged and we were like, okay, we're going to make this like social impact on health and wellness, but we're going to do it through the modality of strength sports and we're going to make it accessible and we're going to do it as a 501c3. And um, we officially became incorporated at the end of 2019. Great timing. December 2019, <laughs> three months before like real the real the pandemic hit the U.S. Anyways, or pretty much at the start of the pandemic in um, in other parts of the world. So, <laughs> uh, so at that point, we had a few uh, people interested in training with us. Probably like what five, five, five and paperwork that said we could do what we wanted to do, but, and maybe like a barbell that we bought. We had one barbell. One barbell, yeah. Yeah. Then we got the boot. 
Yeah, kick out of the gym. The gym, the gym had it closed because of COVID, but we weren't really, we started to not be super welcome there as a group of five. Yeah. Um, I mean, Heather, you know how powerlifting workouts go. You might be squatting for an hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> it's a commercial gym, there's three squat racks. They were like, you, you can't do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and my question is why not? <laughs> Great question. Great question. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to tell a story again. I love stories. Okay, so we, you know, like again, there were maximum five of us, including myself and Laurie. So there was, you know, maybe like three other athletes. And um, we would, there was essentially one mediocre squat rack. Like really bad, but like better than all the other pieces of junk that were there. And we would all, work on that one squat rack didn't matter what the weight was like so we would be changing weight every single minute and one day the owner comes up to us like you guys i'm i'm getting so many complaints you guys like you guys you, you've been on you, you've been here for like an hour and a half you can't I, other people need to use this we, you can't you can't do this and we're i looked at him and i was like we can't work out i don't i don't understand you don't want us to use the equipment He's like, no, I, I just like, can you guys like figure out how to like not take so long? Why does it take so long? Why do you have to squat for like an hour and a half? <laughs> we had this like massively long conversation with him. And it, it just like from that moment on, every single time we walked in, we were like, we don't want to be harassed by this guy. And that really kind of started it because like we felt it before we even walked in. We were like, okay, how is this going to go today? And almost every single day, there was something and something, so yeah. that that goes back to the whole idea of like your level of comfort being in a space right and in that case is because we were powerlifters and we don't do three sets of 10 at like i don't know 150 pounds and then move on mm. you know we warm up we do this it's very you know very drawn out and very specific with how we do it and we felt that feeling of not being welcome there and so at that point the people we were working with were kind of like yo, how can we like, I don't want to deal with him coming over to talk to me. Oh, he's coming over. Oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to leave. And that's where that whole idea of like equity comes in. So in this sense, it's not about being a person of color. It's not about being black. It's not about being white. It's not about being Asian. It's about being welcome to do the mode of training that you're doing. Um, mm -hmm. And that wasn't there, you know? So at that point, we started thinking of other options. Mm -hmm. And then COVID hit. And it kind of made it a moot point. It was like, well, get out because we're closing. Mm -hmm. Now figure out what to do. So about a week later, um, we had rented a 250 square foot. No, it was 200. The first oh, one. excuse me. 200 square foot uh, storage pod. You know, one of those storage facilities that like you, you rent out a space that has like a garage door style opener and you put like a padlock from a locker. Like that's where we meant for stuff, not people meant for stuff, not people. Um, Joe was amazing. He drove around to three or four different places and said very upfront, like, this is what I want to do. I want to perform strength training with a small group of people in one of your storage facilities. And three out of the four were like, please leave. You can't. <laughs> But for some reason, shout out to Prime Storage. They were like, yeah, high five, private storage. <laughs> that, 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 seems, that seems fine. That's fine. I, I don't see why the problem could be with us. No liability or anything. Sure. Yeah. Just 
come on in. So um, we we started building a, a little training space in there. And um, I saw you guys on Instagram. Yeah. yeah we also actually have, I think we have a YouTube video about like the little tiny space. Yeah. So oh for gosh. all the listeners, if you want to see how small and dark it was, just go back to through our Instagram or YouTube and scroll down a little bit to the 2020 year. Um, yeah. And their, their Instagram is the same as their website. So urban powerhouse, just remember that urban powerhouse. Can't miss it. Yeah. Um, we bought a set of, um, Kilo plates yep. from what's his name? Basement Brandon. Basement Brandon, Brandon Campbell. Great guy. You, you probably heard of him. He's awesome. Um, he we gave drove, us a, we you, drove to Rhode Island with three cars, one SUV and two sedans yep. to lay all the Kilo plates out evenly. So we wouldn't, you know, so for our, for our listeners, one red kilo plate, right? Which is how many pounds? 55 pounds. Uh, yeah. yeah. So one plate is 55 pounds. So just think about, think about yeah, that for a moment. 14 of those, yep. 14 of the reds, a pair of the blues, which are 20 kilos, so 44 pounds. Like we had a full set. So we had well over a thousand pounds loaded up in these cars. <laughs> and uh, that was, that was, that was awesome. That yeah. was a cool memory. Um, <laughs> So we, we have this space and the next thing you know, at some point we had nine to 10 people, yeah, wa- people somehow, wanted to come train. Somehow we grew during yeah. the pandemic. I don't, yeah. They would see the posts maybe on social media and wanted to be a part of it. Um, so I think there's a, there's a couple of things there. One, we actually had an active space during COVID, which wasn't in our home, which wasn't, you know, the case for a lot of people during those, that early parts of the pandemic. Um, not necessarily legal, but it's okay. Um, and two, you know, I think something that Joe kind of picked up on is um, we tried to really be true to what we wanted to be, which was a space which was welcoming. And most of our members were members of color. And mm-hmm. we, we continued that. And I think seeing um, somebody that looks like you encourage more people um, who fit that demographic to actually reach out and say, like, hey, how can I be a part of this? So we didn't really market and say, does anyone want to come lift in this pod with us? It's just people were inquiring. Um, so more and more when we had those moments, we knew we were headed in the right direction of something that was filling a need. Um, but also we did reach a point where we couldn't fit any more people in the pod safely. Um, even when we we had like a scheduling system, so we had people sign up for specific slots, but it was it was getting a little tight and we and cold. cold. Um, no Wi-Fi, <laughs> things like that. Yeah, it was it was rough. Interesting mm. neighbors. Um, <laughs> well, you said that nicely. <laughs> but it's a it's a huge testament to both of you, though, for creating a space that that felt really safe. And because of that, word of mouth, right? People started talking to each other and said, "Hey, these these two folks are awesome." I'm learning how to do this really cool thing, like lift really heavy. I'm going to, I'm going to swear now, Joe, lift really heavy shit and it feels awesome. And you should come try it with me. I mean, that's, that's the, the best marketing ever. And it just really shows that you both have stayed so true to what your hearts were telling you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we still haven't done any marketing. Nope. We still haven't. Um... (laughs) We actually People tell us we should all the time. We want to make sure our community continues to feel like a community, not just a place where people go to have a membership and work out. You know? 
And so I think one of the one of the reasons why we can do that, there's a lot, but one of them is that, you know, we found this amazing home from networking within our own neighborhood and our community. So we are beneath a pretty iconic spot in our neighborhood in High Park. Um, it's called Ron's Bowling Alley and Ice Cream. And it's just really well known in Boston. And we are in their basement space. Um, we go to the rear entrance and they are, they're, they're not gouging us like Boston real estate prices might be um, and because they believe in what we're trying to do and, and the mission. And there's, you know, they're like basically one of the reasons why we can, can do that. So we have to get a little shout out to Ron's. Yeah, thanks, Ron. If you're, if you're local to Boston, definitely go check them out for some ice cream. Or, nice or is, is it Candlepin Bowling? It's Candlepin Bowling. It's nice just one. the yeah. smaller balls. In the... So we moved into the space in May of 2021. Yeah, it was close to a year. So we went from 200 square feet to a, about 3,000. 3, and um, again, another reason why we can do it how we do it is because of our uh, business structure, we've been really fortunate to receive a lot of corporate donations of equipment um, that helps limit and reduce our startup, startup costs. Mm -hmm. So any of you out there who put together your home gyms or if you are a gym owner, you know um, just how expensive all the equipment is. Um, just because we're in the city and just because we're a nonprofit doesn't mean we don't want to have nice equipment and nice things. There's, mm, there's no reason yeah. why our space should not be as top-notch as somebody else's who has a for-profit structure. Um, and companies like Sorenex, Bells of Steel, they've, they've made that possible by donating to us. Yeah, I mean, we want to talk about the OGs though. A7 was like the, the first company that we had a we had a conversation with Jason, uh, similar you know set of co-founder of A Seven, and because we we emailed well, Larry had the idea to email him, and just kind of tell him like what we're doing, and he was like you know I, this sounds amazing but I I feel like I don't fully grasp what it is you're trying to do, and so Jason being so cool like he's obviously a very busy man, he's set up a time for us to just talk. And, um, you know, he listens to all of the things that we were talking about, you know, being, being a person of color, living in the city, like all the things that were going on in our country at that time and, and what we were trying to do, create a space for young men, young women of color, um, people who were white, everybody to come together with this common goal of like getting strong and supporting each other. You know, and that's, it's such a beautiful thing to see. And he heard it and he was just like, oh, cool. Yeah, that's totally awesome. I, yep, let, let me figure out how we can do this and help you guys out. And uh, they were the first company who, who looked at us and said, you guys are doing something special and we wanna, we wanna support this, we wanna be behind this. And um, with their help, they, working with one of our athletes who does some graphic design on the side, they launched a limited edition A7 grip shirt collab with us. And that was like the first pool of money that we mm -hmm. were able to put into an account. You know, it was a big deal to us because it launched us kind of into a spotlight where people from different parts of the country were able to say, oh, there's this, this is organization called Urban Power. So it's, they, they made a powerlifting gym. I wish I had a powerlifting gym. I want to support that. And it, it's just grown from there. And for us to be able to say, have you heard of A7? Oh yeah, they we did a collab with them. Other companies are like, well, you work with A7? Yep. Oh, that's cool. 
I want to work. I want to work with you guys. <laughs> um, and so, you know, this this team of two, which is just me and Laurie, we literally do everything. We've been able to continue to build with the support of these companies. But honestly, I, it, it all started with A7. And I, I don't think that we would be anywhere near where we are had they not supported us from the beginning. Um, so yeah, I guess that that kind of brings you, that's like the history, I suppose. So to present day now, we're, we're in our home. I can't believe it's going to be a year in May. Um, Kabuki jumped on board to support us as well. Um, that's right, yeah. We feel really good about the space. Our members are growing. The coach athletes we have are growing and doing really well. We hosted um, an event for USA Powerlifting, the Raw Collegiate Cup. So bunch of colleges on the east coast mm -hmm. were competing against each other to win like best team um and we saw like over 200 people come through our space that day and that was awesome it was like seeing the reality of what we were working towards come to life yeah so and and we're looking ahead this year to build some partnerships you know that's one of our next big goals is to really expand on on our partnerships and continue to do that so let's talk about some of your members let's brag about some of your members and some of the awesome things that they're doing and accomplishing and do you want, want me to start sure. well, <laughs> I'll, I'll start with something recent uh current more current event um we have uh one athlete with us who's in high school um she's 15 and she just competed in her first usa powerlifting meet where she qualified for teen nationals and we'll be going out to Chicago at the end of March to, to compete on the national stage. Um, so that was really cool. But I think one of the other sides to that story is just um, hearing her parents talk about her increased confidence since um, finding the sport and really enjoying it. You know, she had tried a few other sports um, and something about this just really clicked for her. And, and made her more confident at school, more outgoing. Like she actually wanted to go to some of the football games and the, the semi-formal dances and things mm -hmm. and i i mean she might have found that on her own but we like to think we played a somewhat of a role in getting getting there and um she's just an amazing talent and it'll be great to see how she sticks with the sport you know where she ends up she's fun to work with and you know so he told us a story and i was like okay so your doctors essentially don't want you to be able to age well i don't understand like yeah, we squat when we deadlift and we bench press. Squat and deadlift are fundamental movements because they are fundamental to the types of movements you do throughout your life. You want to sit down on the toilet, sit down on the seat, you got to squat. You want to pick something up from the floor, that's a deadlift. So it was just amazing that, you know, like a healthcare professional would say this to someone. So we worked with him. Um, it, you know, we it, it took time and it took looking at things from all kinds of angles, but this guy went from not being able to squat like 250 pounds to well over 400 pounds now working with us. He's been with us for over two years. And, you know, with the time that we spent together, one of the things that he said is like, you guys, I don't, I literally wouldn't have been able to do this without you guys because, you know, they told him, they told me to give up. And hearing that from a doctor, you know, I, I wonder how many other people have stopped being who they could be or stop doing what they could do by listening to that, you know? And so when we heard that from him, it just really drove home that this is why we're doing what we're doing. 
you know, we may not be like a massive strength training facility with like 10,000 square feet, but we're able to work with each of the people who comes through our doors and it can be simply, I just want to get stronger. Or like, Hey, how do I move better? But we're, we're tackling so many more things than just becoming strong. Um, whether it's mental, whether it's physical, whether it's a supportive community around you that allows you to try something you haven't done before or being able to move better. Um, so I just, I just got to give a shout out to Renard because he, he's one of our OGs and he, he is literally the energy of, of the space. You know, he's, and I feel like everyone, every place has that person. He's that person for Urban Powerhouse. He comes in and it doesn't matter how tired he is. He's there supporting everybody else. Someone's going for something heavy, going for something hard. He's shouting for them to be able to succeed because he wants you to succeed as much as he wants to succeed. And I, we love that man. Um, we love everybody, but I, 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 I cannot express how much just seeing his growth and development and the ability to move without pain has just put a smile on our faces. So that, Renard, we love you, man. <laughs> I love hearing stories like this because I agree with you, Joe. I, I think there's a lot of people out there that are so afraid to move, to exercise, to lift a weight because a doctor has told them that they shouldn't. And um, time and time again, I, I see people who are fortunate enough to find themselves in a place, you know, with a coach like you and get past that and, and realize that they can do these things. They can lift weights they can move in certain ways that they've been told that they can't and that it actually makes them feel a lot better, right? Because lack of movement is the worst thing that we can do. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that more and more there's coaches and trainers out there that are really starting to defy that and to be very vocal about it. So I'm so glad you shared Um this member spotlight, because, you know, he's a, he is the perfect testament to how you really, you really need to keep moving and Mm -hmm. that there are so many modifications that can be done with these movements that are movements we do every day of our life. And, and if you aren't strengthening your, your muscles, your connective tissue, well into your, your advanced years, you, you know, you're just, you're going to be uncomfortable and it's going to get harder and harder and powerlifting, weight training. It really provides that longevity. It keeps us youthful, keeps our joints younger than what our biological age is. So so I'm really glad you brought, I'm really glad you brought that up. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's just kind of the way that we look at it. You know what I mean? So like we, we look at everyone who comes in, not necessarily as a potential like power lifter in the sense that they're going to step on the platform and compete, but we're just like, how can you move better? How can you feel better? And we do it through squat, bench press, deadlift, clean and jerk, snatch. That's, that's, that's what it is for us. Um, and so many people in our community don't even know about this as an option. I mean, so many times, you know, I, I used to work at the YMCA and, you know, we, we've got all these different programs out there, but often they harp on, get your cardio in. 
I found personally that cardio was isolating mm -hmm. and it, it just didn't drive me to, to want to do better. Um, yeah, it's good for your heart, but there are other things you can do that are going to be good for your heart as well. And so many studies have found that when you can find a group of people who have a similar goal to you, and it's not driven just by a metric of get your 30 minutes in of cardiovascular exercise or what's happening on the scale, it's about how you feel and you move, you succeed more. Um, and I think that's really what the heart of what we're doing here at Urban Powerhouse is. It's, it's finding a way for people to find their home and their niche and get better, feel better, be stronger doing it. You know, that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. And sharing, sharing that journey, building that community, having your, having your gym family. <laughs> yeah. That's what it's all about. So you have a powerlifting meet coming up to celebrate one year, right? In your new home, possibly, yeah. maybe. <laughs> For the listeners, we're, we're all making a face because Joe, Joe and I need to really get cracking on that because one year is coming up soon. Um, I don't know if this is worth mentioning, but um, I have a full-time job in addition to what I do at Aaron Powerhouse and Joe is in a, a program, exercise physiology full-time. So sometimes we are um, running a little like, you know, what is it on the edge? <laughs> Redlining? Redlining. Oh. But we, we did host a meet in 2021 um, called the Helga Classic and it was completely virtual and it was just for the women of Urban Powerhouse. It was like a mock powerlifting meet. And it was awesome and it was empowering. People um, from around the country donated, supported, bought a shirt. Um, and it was it was a great way to kind of showcase the like what you can do as the competitive side of our sport, but give people access to it in a nice, like safe, fun way. Um, so we thought now that we have a space that's a little bit larger, wouldn't it be great to to do one in person and invite other women, not just women of Urban Powerhouse to come in and do a mock meet. And it's a great idea, I like it. We, we talked about potentially doing like a sanctioned meet instead, but we decided in order to kind of continue to make the sport more accessible, right? Like, yeah, sometimes we do want to host sanctioned meets, but let's keep this one unsanctioned, just a mock meet, just a real opportunity for people to come out and kind of showcase their strength in a, in a different um, environment. So it's on, it's on the very top of the to-do list. <laughs> It sounds really cool. I, yeah. <laughs> and 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 knowing knowing you guys, you will totally pull it off. I have no doubt. <laughs> we'll we'll stream it and it'll be fun. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm being I'm being ridiculous. No, it it is something that we want to do. Um especially because you don't the royal you must be for myself, you don't realize exactly how strong you are until you you put it to the test in a scenario like this. You know, like, yeah, you can train and things are hard and, and you're like, oh man, God, this is, why am I doing this again? But then like, there's this moment where everybody is just cheering for you and you step onto this space that's just for you and people just want you to do it. They just want you to succeed. They want you to be able to, squat that number you wanted to squat for the last six months or, you know, pick up two reds off the floor. And literally everyone's just like, yeah, you got this. Um, 
and it was it was really great to see the expressions of of, of our athletes when we did the first time. Um, they're like, oh man, this is great, and I can't envision not doing it again. So we'll figure it out. Yeah. It's definitely something going to happen. Uh, it's going to be cool, and we're going to love it, and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Stay tuned for more details. <laughs> We will be anxiously looking for those details. And for, for our non, non-powerlifting listeners, picking up two reds from the floor is a very, very big deal. That is 275 pounds or 125 kilograms. It's a lot of weight. And to join the two-plate club is a very powerful moment. <laughs> It really is. So it's, it's exciting. And Joe, just listening to you, it's like so hard not to feel choked up because it's so powerful. It's so, and it doesn't even matter what weight you're moving. It doesn't matter. It can be a hundred pounds. It can be 500 pounds. People cheer for you the same, right? The, the belief in you is the same there. And it's just, it's such it's such an incredible, empowering, special moment to be a part of that. Yeah, for sure. In fact, they sometimes you not even sometimes like you'll hear people cheering more loudly for the person who like couldn't get their first and second squat, and it's like hundred kilos, and they come back, and they've got to get it on their third, and people are on their feet, they're shouting and yelling because they want this person to succeed. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's just that amazing. Yeah. And that, that's it. Everyone wants to see you succeed. Yeah. We want to make these opportunities available to people in our neighborhood. Um, Like Joe mentioned, both of us found powerlifting much later in life. And, you know, there are plenty of people around us who probably don't know what it is. So that's, that's one of those other parts of what we're trying to do that we're trying to tackle. Right. So yes, we're there for people who already know the sport exists and need a place to train, but we also want to give more people that don't know about it those opportunities to feel that empowerment too. The future. Let's talk a little bit about about the future um, for Urban Powerhouse uh, and and for the fitness industry in general and making it more inclusive. What um, what do you think one of your biggest challenges is going forward? Well. I think um, this is like more, I mean, there's probably a couple of different ways to tackle it, but I'll start with one of the ones that feels a little easier to talk about. It's just, you know, we love it. We're unique, right? We're doing something different. That's hard because there are, there are funders out there, right? Like we're a nonprofit model. And in order to continue to offer like our, you know, tiered rates and reduced rates, like our rates are already reduced. And then on top of that, we offer financial assistance in order to keep doing what we're doing, we're going to need funding. And it's hard to get people to jump on board with dollars. The like corporate um, companies in our space have been amazing, but like people in terms of just, you know, giving financial support, um, there's, there's definitely like a hesitancy there. And I think part of it is just understanding what, what it is that we are and who we are, because it is so different. It's like, oh, a nonprofit gym, like, why don't you just go to the Y? You know, we, we have, we battle a lot of of that of trying to like tell our story and explain it in a way to get people to back it because that that's going to be one of the ways that we're going to continue to succeed you know longer term 
Um, so that's definitely a challenge right there. Mm-hmm. One that is very like day to day, something that we, that we juggle. Um, I don't know if you want to tackle it from the perspective of the fitness industry in general or um, back to deep again. <laughs> no, we can, we can, we can dive deep. It's actually, it's interesting because, um, so I, I think I had this conversation, maybe we did maybe like a couple of weeks ago, but I think in general, um, everybody, not everybody, that's an exaggeration, but a lot of people want to present as being an ally. And I don't know that a lot of people know what that means. Um, and by an ally, I mean an ally for change, an ally for you know, African-Americans, Black people, for Asian-Americans, for, for a lot of things that are going on right now. And people think that allyship means just posting that same thing that they saw somebody else post and being like, oh, this is awful. This is terrible. Why is this happening? That's, that's, just, that's just passing a message on. Um, I don't know that a lot of people are aware of how exactly to be an ally to change. Um, and I'll, I, I'll just talk personally because that's just the best way that I know how is that often I've seen somebody who I know do that exact thing, you know, this, this really stark messaging about like, oh, you know, here's how you can be an agent of change and how you can be positive and help what's going on. That same person will turn and say something to the extent of, this may not sound bad, but, oh, we'll talking about an athlete. Oh, well, they were just strong anyways. One of the things that is often said about people of color of black athletes is, oh, they're so strong, they're so athletic, they've got this superhuman ability about them. That same way of looking at people of color, especially in the sport realm, of being just naturally gifted, that literally dismisses their work and effort. As soon as you say something like that, you're essentially saying, well, they're there because they're naturally gifted and naturally talented. And so they didn't work as hard as as other people that we don't say those things about. It also brings about the concept that like you can do more with less with somebody who's naturally gifted or who has talent, right? And I don't want to get too deep about it, but I, I want to bring this up because when we go back and look at the way slaves were treated, they were perceived as being less than human, but also not human. And so because they were not human, they didn't have basic needs. And we see that happening in a lot of sports. We see that being propagated in a lot of ways. Athletes are, are expected to do more. Um, we put African-American athletes in a spotlight of expecting this greatness. And then when they do something that's human, it's a problem, right? And so I, I wanna challenge people to be aware of not just what they put on social media because they want to do something, but then think about your actions and your words off of that, right? You, to say that somebody's just strong is saying that that work that they put in doesn't matter. Think about that. If, if 
somebody achieved something and they've been doing it for a while and you're like, oh, well, they were just strong to begin with. If someone said that about you, you, you finally pulled 300 pounds and, and, and more, really? right? If someone was just like, oh, you were just strong. They don't know all of the struggles that you've gone through, right? They don't know the work that you put in, mm-hmm. but you were a strong person to begin with. You, you've had a foundation. You still have to work hard. That wasn't going to lift itself. So if someone were to just say, oh, she was strong to begin with anyways, it's, that just belittles and diminishes all of your work. And that's something that happens to people of color often. Right? And so I, I, I want to challenge people to think about that. You know, you, you don't have to agree. People don't have to agree with you, but think about it. Think about anything you've worked hard for and for someone to just say, oh, well, you know, you had this leg up or you're just naturally mm-hmm. going to be there. It just diminishes your effort. So that's something that I think is, is it eats at me because I hear it often and it bothers me because um, we're human. And even if somebody started being able to squat 500 pounds when they were new at it, they've achieved something. They're now squatting 750 pounds, right? That didn't just happen. That took work, you know? So don't diminish people. <laughs> don't, so don't, don't devalue the, the path that that person took, the work that that person has put in, the struggles, the failures, right? Because there, there, there's always failures along the way. There's always plateaus. Mm-hmm. And what I'm hearing you say is we, we have to value that with every single person, whether what you see right now in the current moment is the super strong person they put in a lot of work to get there to that mm-hmm. moment. And don't, mm-hmm. don't forget that. Don't dismiss it. Don't devalue that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge because it, it almost removes that person's as an individual. Mm-hmm. It, it removes their individuality. It equates them to just being able to do something because, right? We know that's not possible. You can't just do something because you've got to work for it. Um, so yeah, I, I think that we've got to keep in mind individuality mm-hmm. um, for our athletes of color. You know, it's just, we want to look at people who achieve things and like, oh, they were just destined to do that. But that's, they start to work at it. Talent doesn't turn into ability. You know what I mean? The, the ability to continue to do something over and over again, that's work. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think that's a really important message and something that those in the fitness industry can really start thinking about and taking a look at, whether you're a gym owner, whether you're a coach, a personal trainer, see the individual, See each of your clients as an individual person, each of your members as an individual person. And going back to something you said in the very beginning, what are their needs? What is that individual's needs? Not what's the collective need or what do I think the collective need is for my clients, for that gym's members, but what does each member, each client, what do they need? I need to see each of them as an individual did I did I summarize that? Yeah, no, that's, correctly. <laughs> that's perfect. And and the great thing is that it applies to beyond 
thinking as a trainer uh, and as a coach, it, it applies to how you treat each other as people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so, it seems so easy. It's like, I wouldn't want someone to say that about me. Like, I've worked hard. <laughs> like, I've busted my knees and ruptured both my Achilles. And like, like, for people who don't know that about me, it's just like, oh, you, you're just strong. But no, things take work. What what is something that has really surprised you in this journey? Something that kind of just came out of the blue. <laughs> I I feel like we get surprised all the time. <laughs> I mean, like just the like we talked a little bit about earlier, like the number of people that just come to us looking to join. Um you know, I, maybe it shouldn't be surprising because we are trying to be really intentional about the community that we're building and, and take the right steps to create a space that people want to be in. But it's still sometimes surprising that it that it's happened, that we really haven't done any intentional marketing and we have people coming through the doors. It was surprising when um, we sent out so many emails and inquiries to companies and many didn't respond, but then A7 did. You know, I don't know. There's, there's lots of surprises along the way. Um, looking around the space that we own together and seeing 200 people there was a surprising moment. Um, I don't know, I feel like there's lots of surprises. Uh, I think being a business owner has been super eye-opening, um, learning about what that is. And, and you know, there's the, the stuff you read about on, on the internet, like be prepared to be the custodian and the accountant and the visionary and to wear all those hats. And then I think there's the things that, you're not prepared for like having to make tough decisions that maybe other people might not understand or um you know being faced with trying to come up with solutions to problems all the time you know so i think being a business owner and i'm sure heather you understand this as you're a small business owner too like we've learned a lot in that space um just lots of surprises (laughs) there are definitely a lot of surprises being a small business owner and you're right, they happen all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely every day. <laughs> I think um I think one of the things that surprised me was is that A, we we've had people stay with us for a really long time, which is really cool and really amazing. That itself brings challenges though, right? Because the people who have been with you from the beginning as you start to incorporate more systems and, and processes, it's like, oh God, this is, oh, this has changed. This has changed. This is, I, and there's a little bit of pushback, you know what I mean? And, and it's understandable. It's totally understandable. I don't think I was prepared for it. I don't, like me, I'm, I'm the kind of person that's just like, hey, there's this thing that we're doing. Let's get it done, right? And so it, for me, I'm just like, I don't understand why isn't this done right and it, it literally takes Laurie to be like okay well you know think of it from like not being the business owner perspective you know you've been part of something since almost the beginning and you're used to a certain way of things happening and all of a sudden you've, you've got to get comfortable with this change happening um and like I it takes me more to be like, oh yeah, I guess that is, I guess that is a big deal, you know? And so I think for me, 
I've definitely, I think I've gotten better. I, I think I've gotten better, but I, I, I've definitely had to work on being more understanding and not just like, okay, here's what's happening. And if you aren't down with it, then I guess you're not along for the ride. <laughs> you know, like you've, you've got to be able to meet people where they are and be like, hey, man, this is, how can you come along for this with me, with us? And I think I've gotten better at that as a person. Yeah, um, I'd say you have. Yeah, I hope I have. Mm-hmm. You've, had, you've had practice now. You know? <laughs> and uh, the communication towards, you know, your athletes who have been with you from the start and, and kind of trying to bring them along with the changes, you know, how to how to work on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Very important. Extremely important, right? Because you want those people to keep coming along on the ride, but change is hard for, for everyone. You know, it's uh, especially these last two years, I think people are like, please, please no more change. (laughs) Give give me a break for a little bit. Uh, So, so yeah, that's um, that discomfort with change, uh, I think has really magnified the last couple of years. So kudos to you, Joe, for, you know, recognizing that and knowing that something that, um, needs, needs some compassion and a little bit of care with the members and your athletes and, and keeping them, keeping them on that ride. (laughs) Yeah, I get it. So I love, I love your model. I, I love the nonprofit structure is, is there thought about, and I know you guys are pretty new, uh, and, you know, trying to build, build urban powerhouse, but, I'm always, I'm always look, you know, thinking future and how can we, how can we scale this and how can, how can we make this bigger? So um, what does that look like for you guys for either scaling urban powerhouse yourselves, but also can this model be replicated by others in, in other cities around the country? We think so but we want to prove it first here in Boston, for sure. Um, we believe in it. We're glad you believe in it. So I think that is definitely a long-term goal of ours. And, you know, in terms of scaling us here in Boston, that's kind of what we're working on now, right? Like the, like the partnerships I kind of referenced earlier, um, the, the mission, piece of our mission of making the sport more accessible to people who don't know about it. Um, those are all things we were trying to put into place trying to get like all of our policies, procedures, everything really kind of more buttoned up. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, we'd, we'd love to see it replicated in urban areas as long as we can continue to prove success here in Boston. Yeah, um, yeah I think one of our, and it, it's so funny because like when you start to do something and you, you get connected to other people who are like, yeah, that's beautiful. And then you're like, well, we're kind of, on the same wavelength, you know, it, it makes me think of this, this, this amazing group of people down in, um, in in Pennsylvania, where we got connected through them through LS McLean. Um, if you guys don't know who LS McLean is, just look him up. Amazing, amazing powerlifter. He's the OG in the game. Um, he was one of our our supporters as well. He continues to be continues to be an amazing human. Um, 
he supported us and you know put some of our stuff in his Instagram and his story, and we got connected to this amazing crew in in, in Philly, um, and we went down and met them well, on the way back up from traveling from South Carolina to pick up some equipment. And you know, one of the things that he asked us is, man, how how can how can uh, this be a thing? You know, like, are you guys trying to do this in, in other places? And the automatic answer is yes, absolutely. We just want to make sure that we've got the way to make sure it can be successful across multiple platforms. Um, and they, I'm going to plug them for a minute because yeah, I love them. I think you should. Um, <laughs> Scotty, Scott Hamilton um, and the crew over at Factory Barbell, that's their um, IG, Factory Barbell in, in Pennsylvania. Um, awesome crew. They are like family. Um, you know, they succeed. We want to see them succeed and we succeed. They want to see us succeed. And that's, that's what I think is what it's all about. That's the great thing about what we're doing is it's not competition. You know, we met and we're just like, wow, how can we, how can we make sure that like, this is something that just continues to grow. And we, we build off of each other. You know, we, we finally got our signage together and they saw that and they're like, damn, we should, we should get something going. Well, they didn't have a name yet. Right. And yeah. so they, you know, they, we, we literally feed off each other and I, I think that's what it's all about. And so in regards to like scalability, I think if we were to say any place would be the next place we would try to grow to when we've got Boston buttoned up, it would be, it'd be Pennsylvania. You know, we'd want to connect with the homies over at Factory Barbell and Scotty because they believe in what we believe in and we just want to grow that. And Philadelphia and Boston tend to have a lot of similarities when you look at demographics and just the way the neighborhoods structure. So um, in general, kind of like from a business perspective, it kind of makes sense that if we were going to go somewhere, that would be a good next stopping point. Mm -hmm. um, so we want to, you know, we want to make all the mistakes here first <laughs> and then we'll make new mistakes <laughs> when we grow and scale, but <laughs> At least we'll have made some here first and right. learn from them. So, <laughs> so how, how can um, my listeners support you? How, how can, um, what can I put out there to share, uh, to help, you know, send more support your way? So I think, um, you know, so we are a nonprofit, so making um, donations you know, tax deductible donations would be amazing. Um, that we have a, a option on our website to donate. It's right on the homepage. There's a donate button, so that's one real easy way. Um, and then I think the other thing is um, helping spread the word about who we are and sharing the story. Is like a lot of the conversations that we've woven through over the past. I don't know how long we've been talking now. At least an hour you notice that they were built off of relationships and connections. And some of those were made online and on social media. And, you know, I think that you, when we tell our story and we're doing a really good job about doing that and being active, things happen for us. Whether it's A7 supporting us, Kabuki sending us bars, LS McLean promoting us. Um, so we are always saying to each other, if it feels a little slow, if there's a low, which is very rare, but yeah. if it does feel like a low, we're like, all right, we need to keep talking. We need to keep telling our story. So if your listeners want to help us do that um, by, you know, sharing our content and, and you know, sharing this podcast or, or whatever it might be and adding, adding their own little personal touch to it. I think those are, are two really concrete ways. 
Excellent. And again, the website is urbanpowerhouse.org. Uh, Instagram, same urban powerhouse. So uh, please take a minute, look at the website, uh, look at some of the posts on the inst on Instagram and yeah, share, share it. And uh, I will certainly um, be uh, posting a lot about this episode when it will be coming out, hopefully very soon. Um, so yeah, so I will do my part uh, to definitely put the word out as, as much as I can, because I think what you're doing is really fantastic. And it would be awesome to see, see the future, um, see in the future, other cities doing the same thing and really expanding upon this community, right? Cause it's all community and we're all connected. Well, thank you. So I've been, I'm going to do this at the end of all of my interviews. We're going to switch gears a little bit. We're not going to talk about strength training. Okay. I'm going to ask three quick questions and basically um, they can be, your answers can be about anything. Okay. It does not have to be strength related. So the first question. <laughs> I know, I know it's a big stretch for you, Joe, but I, I believe in you. <laughs> what would your friends say is your superpower? I'll let you mull that over. Um, so my my team at work calls me the word wizard because I do, I like do all the writing pretty much in the communication. And if there's ever something we need to communicate that's not easy or maybe might potentially be upsetting or tough, they're just like, word wizard, we're tossing this at you. You gotta, you gotta figure this out. And uh, similar lines, my boss one time said that I have this like ability to, to bend the truth without lying. And she meant it as a compliment. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> um, I think for me, okay, they're kind of related. First off is in general, like I have this really infectious laugh and I don't know where it came from, but like it, if something gets me going, I can't stop laughing. And like people know, like, oh damn, Joe's having a good time. Um, and it's like, it's weird if I were to describe it, it's like, it's deep. And then it just goes into this like constant, like almost like a cackle. And like when, when I do that, just like everybody just starts laughing. And I, I won't even know what I'm laughing about anymore, but like, it just goes on. And when I start it, like it's this cycle that just keeps perpetuating. So I just keep laughing and it, it could be over the most stupid thing, uh, but it gets like everybody laughing. It's a good superpower. That's, that's a good superpower. So yeah. It's then, an excellent superpower. <laughs> and then, like something weird about me is like, I am the most extroverted introvert you could ever possibly know, which is like, is kind of wild because like, I interact with people at like, on like a really high level, but then like, I'm done. <laughs> you know like and then I've got to be like in a dark room for like the next like four or five hours and I'm just like please don't talk to me <laughs> it's like I don't know what that's about but that's like 
That's just a weird fun fact. That's a fun fact. Number three. That's a fun fact. Right Number here. three. Like, like, I'm super outgoing, but I'm not. <laughs> when you get it, wow, you must have caught me on a good day because after that, it's heavy. It's like hard. And then, and then you find Joe in a dark room. <laughs> Too much. Too much. Weighted blanket. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question. So this this is this is a tough one for some people, so pay attention. How old would you be if you didn't know how old you were? (laughs) What what would your age be if you didn't know what your actual age was? Oh, like how do I like project basically, or how do I live my life? Exactly. Oh, like a 19 year old. <laughs> Nine, you're going with 19 for yourself? Well, okay, maybe like, I don't know, like 23. Like, I just, I, I have like, I'm like young and old at the same time. <laughs> hey, I've got no memory. So like everything rolls right off my back. Like literally, I'm like, oh, there was a problem? Shit, I forgot. Um, but So like, you're a 1905 year old. That's it. But <laughs> <laughs> also like, I don't know, but we also, like, we, 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 I stay up till like two in the morning all the time. Like, there's just, I don't go to sleep early and we eat at like 11 o'clock at night. If I didn't know how old I was, I think I would probably be somewhere between the ages of like 26 and 29. All right, last question. If you could invite anyone, it could be more than one person, Hmm. alive or dead, over for dinner, who would it be and why? And what would you eat? I would invite John Coltrane over for dinner. Um, because he was alive when shit was wild. Sorry, I swore <laughs> again. He was alive when shit was wild, not just in music, but culturally in the civil rights movement. And I, I would just want to know how he did and did not deal with things. You know, um, you know he died young. He lived fast he lived hard and he burned out um we did amazing things while he was alive and i would i would just want to have his ear for a moment in time um just to kind of learn and hear and experience what that was like for him uh what would we eat i I would steal my mom's uh roti and curry chicken recipe we would eat that that's what we need. How about you, Lori? Man. Um, so I think I'll go with um, somebody alive who is actually sort of in the like equity fitness space. Um, and she's she's local to Boston, but we only know each other on social media, but I would love to meet her. Her name is Ashley Mitchell. Oh, yeah. Her handle on Instagram, I think, is Black Girl Magic Mama now. Black Girl Mama Magic. Black Girl Mama Magic. Um, and she's doing really awesome things in the fitness industry. And I think it would be awesome to have her over for dinner and just kind of like share stories and, and learn from her. And I have no idea what she would like to eat. So I'm just going to hope that she would be interested in some sushi because that sounds good to me. So, so I did, um, you recommended that I look at her Instagram uh, when I was preparing for this podcast and um, she has got fantastic content. And she's really fun too. You know, she, she puts some really fun posts up there and uh, you know, she's, 
very genuine and um, not non apologetic. It's really nice. Yeah, I think unapologetic. Yeah, personality definitely comes across as, as fun. So I think she'd be a fun dinner guest. As yeah, well. I'm going to come to that dinner too. <laughs> you got some things to plan. I know. I know. Dinners. <laughs> well, I cannot thank you uh, both enough uh, for. Uh, being on my podcast, for being my friends, for doing such incredible work. And I'm so excited to see where Urban Powerhouse goes from here, uh, where you guys go in your own powerlifting careers. And um, again, urbanpowerhouse.org, check them out. You can donate, uh, spread the word. And Really excited to get this podcast out there uh, for everyone to listen to. So thank you again. And I look forward to to seeing all all the growth going on and the expansion of this wonderful community. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us on. Yeah, it's an awesome opportunity. And every time we kind of talk and tell our story more, it makes us better at that. So thank you for the practice there too. (laughs) Anytime, anytime. 